We are on the cusp of a major social change. Do you feel it? Even if you don't, make no mistake, change is coming, and it is going to be unforgettable. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Hart, and here on Prime Spark, where we work with and on behalf of women over 55, I want to help you find that spark that will ignite your way forward, reflect your gifts to the world, and illuminate your path through this next stage of life. Through these podcast conversations, I hope to inspire you to see how you can make a significant contribution to some of the gnarly problems that are facing us right now. Join me, and together, let's discover our prime spark. Hi, I'm Sarah Hart, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close, with a goal to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling, and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which only means we all need to be involved and we need to get going now. And today I have the great pleasure of speaking with Helen Dennis, a woman whose work I greatly admire. Helen Dennis is a nationally recognized leader and sought-after speaker on issues of aging and the new retirement. As one of the nation's foremost experts on preparing for the non-financial aspects of retirement, she has worked with more than 20,000 employees at corporations and universities to do just that. Helen is the co-founder of Project Renewment, a movement of career women defining their next chapters in life, and co-author of the Los Angeles Times bestseller, Project Renewment, the first retirement model for career women. Helen writes Successful Aging, a syndicated column for the Los Angeles newspaper group that reaches more than 1.6 million readers weekly. Author of nearly 100 articles, she also has edited two books, Retirement Preparation, What Retirement Specialists Need to Know, and 14 Steps in Managing an Aging Workforce. With an emphasis on employment, Helen has created innovative programs encouraging older workers to enter the labor force and has conducted research on employment and retirement issues as well as service as an expert witness for some of the largest class action age discrimination suits in the U.S. She is a frequent speaker and appears at events in the United States and Europe. Welcome, Helen. I'm so happy you're here with us today. Well, hello, Sarah. I am happy to be with you. So just to get started, let me ask you, do you experience getting older? And if you do, what is that experience? And if you don't, why do you think it is that you don't? Fortunately, I experience getting older since the opposite is not very desirable. And so if you're wondering how that manifests itself, um, probably in uh, neutral and positive ways and some that are perhaps more challenging. So let's go to challenging. Um, I need more sleep. I need a little bit more rest. That's one. 
Another is it takes me a little longer to recover from jet lag. Another is I have character lines that show I am living a full life. And that is definitely part of aging. Um, I would say another part that's really become important to me is being fully aware of the consequences of not being physically active. Uh, that mantra plays very strongly in my mind uh, because I know, I know what happens if we don't move. We just get weaker. That's part of normal aging. We lose muscle mass. So, but on the, um, the upside, I think I am more patient. I think I'm a little bit more resilient. Um, I want to go back to the negative side, which I, um, aside from sleep, not negative, but more in the deficit, um, digestion has changed, not dramatically, but a bit of lactose intolerance, which has never occurred, which I understand is facing millions of midlife and older adults. Um, so I think at the moment, I have been very fortunate that the aging process hasn't interfered with what I want to do with my life. And it requires a little bit of fine tuning, a little bit more awareness, and a little bit more of realization that the overdrive that has just been normative has been tempered a little bit. Or if there is excessive overdrive, there is a fatigue factor <laughs> that seems to follow unexpectedly. And being a slow learner in that, I um, I continue to do the over. I'm better. I'm less at the overdrive and trying to pace myself. And I think another one is an awareness of the importance of pacing, which has not been my strength. Um, however, I'm a slow learner and I am learning that, that to do what I want to do, I need to pace myself and a little bit more mindfully. So all in all, Sarah, I have been very fortunate because aging can can be very challenging for many not because they ask for it. <laughs> so I feel very fortunate that at my life stage, I'm able to do still what I want to do with a little fine tuning. Oh, I so agree with you, Helen. I, um, I am also a very slow learner, I guess, because I get really tired. And when I think about why, I look at what I've been doing, and I think, well, Sarah, for heaven's sakes. Um, and I might have been able to do that at 20, 30, 40. But I think it's also possible. I was just spent a lot of the, that time sort of tired, but not paying any attention to it. And I'm not sure that it's all of a sudden being tired or all of a sudden being a bit more tired and finally starting to pay attention to it. So I think there is... For some people, a little bit of wisdom that comes with getting older, and that is to, to begin to pay a bit of attention to when you're tired, because that's hard to do for many of us. It is, but I think there's this whole movement towards mindfulness and increased self-awareness. That's contagious. Um, and so I think that that is a plus. Yes, I, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. So I um, I love your book, Project Renewment, and tell us what it is and why it's important and how you came to working with that. So here is the short story. 
Uh, this goes back 23 years when my good colleague and friend, Bernice Bratter, who was retiring from her second executive director position in Los Angeles, calls me and said, Helen, it's now 1999. Is there anything done for career women who are really moving to this thing called retirement? And in addition to many things, uh, Bernice is also a clinician. She said, and a very well put together woman. She said, I am having a hard time. What is out there? And I, I said, Bernice, the best of my knowledge, we are not even on the radar. So we decided to get, she said, well, we had a lunch. We said we had a lot to talk about. She said, why don't you invite some women? I'll invite some like-minded women. We'll see if there's something to discuss. We had a four-hour dinner. And we decided to talk about subjects and topics that related to the transition of women who were passionate about their work, who have made a difference, and now moving into this ill-defined zone called retirement. And so we continued to meet, maybe about 10 women around Bernice's dining room table. Other women from the west side of Los Angeles said, yeah, you know, we hear about this interesting group of women. Can we join? You know, from a group process perspective, it's hard to join in the middle. We said, you know, we'll help you, we'll help you get started. Well, that multiplied until there were about 35 to 40 renewment groups across the country that grew virally. No marketing. It just was viral. And the book, the last part of the book, I mean, the book has 38 essays based on our conversations, the literature, and some perspectives. The last part said, okay, women, you're on your own. Do you want to do this renewment groups? This is how you do it. So it was a guide. Bernice and I said, we're not going through the country spawning these groups. People are empowered. These are smart women. Let them do it. Okay, so now let me add, we had no intention of growing. We just wanted to meet. Um, knew there was a book there somewhere, and we got some press from uh, the LA Times and Time Magazine online. And the CEO of Scribner, who had, was a woman, saw that, contacted the, um, the journalist, and they called us and they said, we'd like you to write a book. We said, voila, we can do that. So 18 months later, we submitted a manuscript. Now, quickly jump forward to the pandemic. Women cannot meet. So Bernice and I said, well, let's make up something. Story of our life, we'll make it up. Um, let's launch virtual renewment roundtables. Well, that started probably in July following the pandemic. That has grown virally to about 85 to 100 women across the country. And we meet once a week on a topic that's relevant. And here's the difference, Sarah. The original renewment was from work to retirement. But women stay with it, as in there's no graduation. So what they talked about in their 50s and early 60s was really different from the late 60s, 70s, and 80s. They talked about different topics. So we said, you know, renewment really is about transition and change for women for whom work's very important. It's a transition and change from work to retirement and for a lifetime. Because those changes are just part of life. And so renewment inspires um, and informs and connects like-minded women. And when I say like-minded women, it's from all professions and all backgrounds. It's women 
who are not satisfied with the status quo for themselves or their communities, which means they're learners and they're contributors. Um, so that's that's probably a longer version, but that's how renewment has come up. And now we're moving. We had a wonderful meetup that was um, held at University of Southern California, uh, was our host. Um, and women were so happy. They had been seeing each other in these boxes. These are the virtual group of women. They were so excited to be together. We had a great program. And they said, okay, what's next? What, when is the next one? So there's work to be done. Uh, but that's the story. And, if, and I think similar to, to Spark, there is, a, there is a, a large space and a large opportunity because it's the first time we've had so many career women retiring. So this is really a demographic statement. It is the aging of the baby boomers. Although I'm part of the silent, no longer silent generation, and many of the silence started this, but now we really see that impetus is coming now from the next wave of women who are facing retirement or in early retirement. So I guess that's the long story. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's um, so the the common is this true that a common denominator is it's women for whom work has been really important. Yes, and and they're at a point now where something they're looking for something next and it might be women still working and facing retirement and realizing i don't i don't want to retire or it might be women who have been out of the workforce for a while and doing whatever they've been doing but still are looking now for something else is that true that's very true but in addition it's those challenges, decisions, opportunities that occur once you're in retirement. That could be housing, relocation, caregiving, legacy, because other transition opportunities follow. And that's what we observed when people are in this retirement space for a while. So they've, they've made this transition. Most of the women in the virtual groups, I would say 80% are retired, 20% continue to work and looking towards retirement. So the topic area has morphed into more life issues in addition to the work to retirement. But it is a real, it's a essentially a, a redefinition of retirement means to this cohort. Yes, and we've got about three questions here going on in my head at the same time. Um, so for for women who are coming up to a time that is a typical retirement, that that the word retirement is really changed from what it was before. Is that is that have you seen that? Very much so, Sarah. In fact, renewment is a word we made up. It's a cross between retirement and renewal. Yes. And that's what we think this space is. Right. I have been in some groups that are uh, midlife transition groups. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about what you just said. And um, they're good. They're important. And I'm beyond that. I am not a midlife transition. I am beyond midlife. 
I mean, I'm still working and I, I'm sure I have transitions left, but I'm not there. So do you see that? I mean, that there's a difference between a midlife transition and a, and beyond, beyond midlife transition, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why we think these virtual groups have grown because it's, it's like, I've done that now. What? Okay. I've, I've, I've moved along that uh, continuum, but I'm still looking at 25 years ahead of me. Right. And so what are the other opportunities, challenges, decision points among retired professional women? And that's, are, are there new opportunities that are showing themselves? or are, It seems to me we're having to make it up because... Um, so much of our society thinks that that we should just quit. And so we're going to have to find it. So this is the classic challenge of resource. There are resources out there, but few people know about it. It's not mainstream thinking. Um, co-generate, which used to be gen to gen which used to be Encore.org, um, emphasizes intergenerational relationships and opportunities. Um, there are a number of organizations. Uh, Eldira is one, matches older adults with children to have conversations, very enriching. Um, Sages and Seekers matches adolescents with older adults to have conversations. Um, so there are opportunities but you have to find them. And it's not, I think this is, it's not mainstream thinking. It's not normative. You have to first say, I think I'm different from a lot of trends. That's the first. And then says, where do I go with myself? And where can I find like-minded women? And you're so right. We, we have to create the playbook. The resources are there, but we have to find them. We have to connect with them. Um, as I say, it's not normative. So we I, have to, and we have to tell other women about them. We have yeah. to find them, we have to connect with them, and we have to tell other women so that everybody doesn't have to find it for themselves. Exactly, exactly. Um, and you know, some some things are more evident that some women like to be docents. I know that's highly competitive at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. It is a highly competitive position. Um, so it's it's full of opportunity. That's that's how I see it. But it really not a but. It requires us to take initiative. Yes. It's not going to come to us. Yes. Because as you said, we're older women. Well, you've done it. Next, <laughs> social the social expectations aren't that we're going to be Nancy Pelosi's. Right. Right. It. Um. I think. Well, when I was growing up, people my parents' age, most of the women didn't work. And if they did, they were school teachers. But most of them didn't work outside the home. I mean, they worked hard inside the home, but they didn't work outside the home. And most of the men retired at 65. And they retired. That was that was it. And then a lot of them died because that had been their life and, and sadly. So that was the model that many of us grew up with. Now, I think of this, there are differences, of course, but I think of it sort of the same as, as 
when I was in the women's movement in the 60s and 70s. We didn't have any models. We didn't have any models for the kind of, of, of women we wanted to be. And so here we are again. I, I think you just identified a really important piece because from my perspective and perhaps from yours, what we are witnessing is the aging of the women's movement and are asking the same questions. Is this all there is? And it's grassroots. As you said, there are no models. We kind of make it up as we think it needs to be made up. And I think this is part of the maturing of the women's movement. I agree. And I think that um, the women's movement still, but um, it certainly then got a lot of pushback. I remember being on a march in, in New York, and um, there were people along the way who were, they didn't get violent, but they were really anti what we were marching for. And so I don't. I don't feel exactly the same thing about um, this. It's more oblivious to um, you're old. I'm, you know, it's 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 not so much. I don't want you to be this way. It's just it's not there. It's not on anybody's. That's not quite true. It's it's coming more on people's radar, but it is um, a different kind of. Backlash. I, I don't. I don't see a backlash with the um, gendered ageism yet. I mean, it's just. It's just what it is. I think. I think no one's paying attention. Oh, there's little attention being paid to it. Um, and you know, there are so many important causes today. Um, it's hard to compete. Yes. With, you know, the ageism and the sexism and the racism and, you know, ageism is part of this, but um, it's hard to get equal attention. Um, but women are strong. You want something done, you get women together. They're going to get it done. Uh, women are vocal. And women are women have a voice. And I have to say, the silent generation is no longer silent. The boomers never have been silent. <laughs> um, but I think there's another piece. I think there is an opportunity and perhaps even a responsibility to send some message to the younger women who are coming along. Because they, they don't have a model. Maybe they have a model in their mind, but my guess is there isn't. Um, but we'll see. But I... I my experience in speaking with younger career women that they're very interested. And years ago, we've done some intergenerational conversations and the younger professionals were amazed what these older women were doing. We were completely in awe how accomplished these younger women were. So there's a great opportunity for some nice. Yes. I think that's all very exciting because I, I, ageism is so, prevalent in the society that I'm not sure younger professional women will see what is possible in their later lives unless they have contact with older women who are still very, very active in doing things. I, I would agree. And it's ages in which I think is um, heavily weighted with women. You know, we see more gray hair. I mean, here's extraordinary. 
letting your hair grow gray is a news story. It is a feature. It is an ad campaign. I mean, what does that say about normal aging? Okay. A friend of mine has a, um, a modeling agency called Celebrate the Gray. Uh-huh. Um, so I think that's, I think that's, yes, that's, that's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's important, but I think it raises the point. This is, this is so historic. This is so extraordinary when it should be normal. Right. It's exceptional. We have an ad campaign for it. We're at millions of dollars on it. <laughs> it's a plus. All of this is a plus, but it, say, it says to me what we have to do to push the envelope right. to get something to be normative. I love that. I love that. You need a feature story on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can do that in one of your newspaper columns. You have, you've done a thousand of them. Yeah. I'm working on a thousand fifty-four at the moment. Oh my goodness. Helen. <laughs> what have you learned doing this during all this time? That's a lot of articles. So it's once a week that I have a pay. It's like being in school. Once a week, you have a paper due. And as soon as you're finished your paper, you have another paper due. So I, I often say, why do I do this to myself? And I've been doing this for 20 years. Um, so let me ask, answer the first part. It's things I've learned. What midlife and even younger and what the readers are interested in. It's not rocket ship science. They want to be heard. They want valid, reliable information that's consumable, that's not painful to read. And they want to have some implication. And, it ha- and they, want to, they don't want to suffer through reading it. <laughs> um, so that I have learned. Um, so what, what has changed for me is that I listen differently. I have a different lens. Because it's a Q&A, and I have promised the readers decades ago, which they probably don't remember, that behind every question is a real person. Um, So the questions reflect something that could be profound to, I'm celebrating my 80th birthday and I'm going crazy. I mean, uh, to a caregiving issue. Um, So I asked myself, why do you do this to yourself? And corny as it sounds, Sarah, if it makes a difference, I do it. And I found, always to my shock and amazement, that people read it. People read it, and then sometime they file it, and sometime they send it to their Aunt Bessie in Keokuk, Iowa. Um, and that they use it for some book groups, and they use it at a senior citizens council meeting. And so if it makes a difference somewhere, it, if it affects one person's life and his or her family, that's worth it to me. And it is, I guess, my core as an educator to have to have that go out to 1.2 million readers every week is an incredible platform for public education. But I never want my readers to know that's my motivation. They should just think it's a fun and interesting column to read. That's my motivation, to put what we know about the field into some context that's usable. And certainly from an academic perspective, and I have years of experience there, the research is very important. We need it. 
The publications, absolutely. The reports, absolutely. But until it gets on the ground, where people can really use it and understand it, could be two years. So this is an opportunity for me. And that, that's how I view it. And that's that's why I face my empty screen every week and say, oh, it's that time again. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Here we go. <laughs> it, was, uh, it seems to me it would be an amazing uh, opportunity for you to keep learning also, not just for your readers, but for you, because you need to keep up with um with what's you know what's the current thinking what's the current research i, I don't know the answer to this question I, or i never thought of that question before um so that that's an amazing learning tool for you is that true absolutely absolutely correct this requires me to continue to learn and review and be critical in what i'm reading and and synthesize um, and to stay up to date. Yep. So it's it's a it's a gift to me in terms of um, probably cognitive functioning. Um, it doesn't hurt to be a lifelong learner, and so it's built in. Yeah, it's it's definitely definitely a plus. Painful at times it is. But <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm sure. It is. You know, one of the things you say in your book that I found fascinating was um, you said you, we may need to diminish our need for external validation and place equal or greater value on internal validation as we get older. This seems like a very hard journey, especially for women who, for whom work has been really important and have gotten so many kudos probably from the external environment? It's a very difficult piece. And it doesn't say that external should be excluded, but perhaps rely on it less. And perhaps it's a process where you rely on the external less and become more internal to give yourself credit for staying fit, uh, for giving yourself credit to being a good friend, um, but it is a transition and women can do that better together. If we talk about it a little bit and we, what are the tips of, the, what are the tools of the trade? Um, I, I, I think we, it's hard to live without any external recognition. We all need to be have some affirmation that we're worthwhile human beings, you know, um, but it is a difficult transition, a possible one. Uh, it could be a higher value on the arts, a higher value on family, a higher value on travel, a higher value on giving. And that brings its own validation to know that you're doing something that's worthwhile. And everything you've just said for me is an example of why women do it better together, because all the things you've just said are things that a lot of them I didn't think of that I could give myself kudos for. Um, and if so, it's almost like it's almost like. 
I need an external person to tell me the things I could give myself kudos for so I could get more internal validation. Well, I think that the women that we're talking about um, have some sense of humility, which is a great asset. Yes. However, when you have to shift and say, now, recognize what you're doing and for whom and who you are. I don't think that comes naturally in a solo environment, or maybe I'm speaking personally. Um, people who are attracted to the kinds of causes you and I are committed to um, have accomplished a lot in their lives, not because they have a big ego or not because they have inflated their self-worth. Uh, they're women who are basically have some sense of humility. And when you carry that over into this next life stage, uh, you, have to, you have to think a little differently. You have to recognize who you are and what you and the gifts you bring to the table. That's hard to do in having a conversation with yourself. Yes. Yes. So one of the last things I want to ask you, because I was, I was fascinated by this in your book also, that one of the changes I think you've seen over the years that you've been doing this is there's a bit more work and retirement than there used to be. Is that, uh, explain that. Well, we used to think that work and retirement were binary situations. Either you worked or you were retired. Now we have women living longer and men having greater competencies, um, different kinds of aspirations. Um, that retirement can be a process. There's part-time work, there's part-time retirement. Um, and I think we see more of that. That's the kind of a, it could, that could be a permanent situation where people work a couple of days a week or a couple of hours a week. Um, and then go into something they call retirement. Um, but it is more prevalent because that's, I think, what, and I'm speaking only of women, what women want. You know, work still, not only the money, sense of purpose, structure, socialization, making a difference, continuing to learn having someone expect something from you. Those are all pluses that work. Aside from the work, you might actually like the work, but those are kind of the ancillary benefits. And I think we see we will see more of that. Um, I can see that in about the 20% of the women in renewment in the virtual groups per se, um, that they have a clinical practice, but it's now three days a week. Uh, or uh, an accounting practice that is uh, flexible. You know, it's not tax season, so I'm off. So I, we're looking at the desire for more flexibility. And I think that comes from the bottom up. I don't think employers say, here is this flexible schedule. It is the push from the ground up that says, this is really what we want. These are kind of the conditions for my employment. So we're seeing more of it. We're seeing more of it. And we're seeing more of that from all age groups, actually, that um, the pandemic, I think, and every and people working from home 
uh, really brought that to a head. I'm not saying that people didn't want it before, but but after they were able to do that for a year or two, I'm not going back to the office, you know, full time. I'm just not doing it. And you and you boss are going to make me. I'm going somewhere else. Thank you very much. I think the employees are holding the employers hostage. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, they have they have a tremendous amount of leverage right now. That may change. Uh, not everyone is going to be like Elon Musk and force everybody to come to work and sleep on a mattress. Uh, well, we can only hope that not everybody is like Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> um, I just want to recognize that some women continue to work out of necessity. It's um, that they would very much like to stop working and they can't for uh, economic reasons. And um, so that's part of the reality of, of the society we live in. And secondly, I just love to, what you said. I want to think about that. that Retirement is a process. You know, retirement isn't an event or a state. It's a process. And that is an entirely different way of thinking about it than, than when I grew up. That is a big change. And another change that I've observed is that the aspirations for this life stage are different. I mean, our parents' generation, and this is speaking generally, if you were economically stable and if you had children and they were married, they, they had a house and they had, they had children and you moved to, you know, moved to Florida and life was great. That is a generation. But there are millions of people today who, who are thrilled with that life. There is a growing number that says, I need a little bit more. I need something else that makes me feel satisfied. Um, and I think that cohort is growing. But that's not to negate that the traditional retirement is millions of millions of people are very content and happy, thrilled, in fact. There's a growing number that says, I have to fill in something. Something is missing. And I should. So it's, it's both and. Um, you know, one is not necessarily better. It depends on what the person, him or herself, wants. Oh, Helen, this has been delightful. Thank you. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, how can they do that? So there are a couple of ways. Let me give you an email, which is Helen Den, H-E-L-E-N-D-E-N-N, -E -E at gmail.com. We also have a website for Renewment, which is renewment.org. And if you're curious about me, and you do not have to be, I do have a website. It's called HelenMDennis.com. So I would be happy to chat, happy to talk to anyone who is interested. Um, I think this is a time of opportunity. Um, and it's one where we have to take the initiative. But there are no borders. There are, there are economic borders, there are physical borders and health borders around this picture frame, but they're flexible. And um, we all have an empty screen in front of us to fill. Just like you every week with your... Every week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's our time together today. Please join us again. You can find our Prime Spark podcast on every popular outlet, Find out more about Prime Spark 
at www.primesparkwomen.com. Thank you so much to my guest, Helen Dennis. Thank you all for being with us today. Come again. Take care. Spread tolerance and love. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to stay updated, you can head over to my website, primesparkwomen.com, and get my free spark guide, Seven Questions to Ignite Your Spark, to help you discover your own spark. See you in the next episode.